Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That, of course, is uh, my name, and I want to welcome all the newcomers who might be uh, downloading this episode as their first try uh, of the program. Hope you'll be back for more. And for those who are returning listeners, well, thank you very much for uh, continuing on with the show, especially if you're a patron who uh, has signed up probably for the $2 a month early access to pass, where you can hear uh, all the individual interviews that you're going to hear on this entire uh, full episode of the show. Well, most of them are done uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and are available usually within half an hour, an hour of uh, after the interview is concluded. Just got to take some time to edit uh, and uh, add the music at the start of each segment, uh, things like that. Uh, all of those are available two, three days before this uh, full episode comes out on the weekend. So uh, a lot of people have signed up uh, to have that early access cost two bucks a month and i really appreciate those who have done that for sure oh and i should mention that's at patreon.com slash the pipeline show let's get right to it the uh we got lots to cover here in the opening segment this week we'll start with the question of the week which i just put up on twitter just a few moments ago as i'm recording this on uh, saturday afternoon the question this week NHL Central Scouting has four WHL goaltenders ranked inside their top 12 for the upcoming 2020 NHL draft. I want to know which one of them you're going to take first and why. The uh, four goaltenders that I'm referring to, uh, Garen Bjorklund from the Medicine Hat Tigers, who's ranked number five. Dylan Garand of the Kamloops Blazers, who's ranked number six. Brock Gould from Moose Jaw who's ranked number nine, and Brian Thompson of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, who's ranked number 11. Uh, votes are tabulating. Nobody's actually uh, given me a reason why yet, but uh, Dylan Grand uh, leading the way. He's uh, ranked sixth, so second out of these four. But right now he's got uh, 72%, 72.4% uh, of the vote. Garen Bjorklund uh, second here from uh, the responses so far by the audience. But again, that, uh, that poll's been uh, alive for all of 10 minutes, so... You can find it at TPS underscore Guy on Twitter. And if you ha- want to take a second to uh, not just vote, but to give me a reason why, that would be appreciated too. 
Let's get to the news and notes of which there are a plenty to uh, mention this week. Let's start with the NCAA. I mentioned it uh, last week that uh, it had come out that college hockey has been shut down officially until at least November 20th. Reminder, though, the Ivies have actually uh, already announced they've shut down until at least 2021 in January. The USHL announced this week uh, that two teams, they have 16 teams now in the league after uh, Bloomington uh, slash Central Illinois uh, folded at the end of last season. So they went down from 17 to 16 already. Two more teams are not going to play this year. One of them is Cedar Rapids because of the damage to their uh, home rink. We had Jeff Johnson on last week who writes for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids, their beat reporter. After that conversation with Jeff, it sounded to me like the, you know if, they, if the league actually started in November like they're hoping to, Cedar Rapids might play you know a month on the road or even two months on the road or might use a different rink in the area while repairs are done to their home rink. Uh, but that's not what's going to happen. They're going to take a year off. Uh, and they're not the only team. The Madison Capitals are also going to uh, go into mothballs for a season. Now, both of these teams say they're only going to not play this year, and they fully intend on coming back a year from now. And let's uh, hope that, in fact, happens. Unlike uh, with the Indiana Ice, when they decided to uh, stop play for a year and have not come back, and that's, well, maybe a, almost a decade ago now. Uh, also, three teams in the North American Hockey League not going to play this year, uh, Springfield in Illinois, as well as uh, Corpus Christi in Kansas City. Uh, and with the Madison Capitals, it was because of COVID restrictions in, in their area in Wisconsin. I, I don't know if this is going to be the first of several teams in the USHL uh, to uh, have that situation. Uh, but also in uh, the NAHL, I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning is for those three teams, Springfield, Corpus Christi, and the uh, Kansas City Club. And I shouldn't assume, but there it is. Uh, closer to home in the WHL, Connor Bedard, who is the uh, wonderkind who is supposed to start play with the Regina Pats this year. And if the league gets going, he'll be back. But he is uh, now overseas in Sweden for Husqvarna's uh, team. That's HV71. However, interestingly, and I saw this uh, with uh, Greg Drennan and his blog, he's not actually playing games. He's just practicing over there with the team. So that's interesting, going quite the distance. Uh, just to practice. So there's that. And I guess the biggest news of the week, uh, hey, another lawsuit uh, for the Canadian Hockey League, although it's not just the Canadian Hockey League. A former WHLer Kobe Moore, who was uh, drafted in the first round of the Bantam draft in 2014 by the Edmonton Oil Kings and played three full seasons uh, for the Oil Kings before being dealt to the Kamloops Blazers, where he played one full season. And he spent this past year uh, between four teams, Kamloops, Kelowna, Moose Jaw, and uh, then down to the Alberta Junior Hockey League with the Drumheller Dragons. Uh, he has, uh, well, his junior eligibility has wrapped up, and he is now uh, launching a lawsuit, which he hopes will grow to be a class action lawsuit. The lawsuit is uh, against the NHL, the American Hockey League, the ECHL, Hockey Canada, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the OHL, as well as the Western Hockey League. Now, I am not a lawyer, so I'm not going to get into all the details. Uh, I will say that the uh, the article that is up at TSN, which is actually a Canadian press article, says, I'll just quote this, the suit alleges the defendants participated in a, quote, unlawful conspiracy arrangement or agreement to limit opportunities for more and other Canadians to make a living playing pro hockey between ages 
of 18 and 20. I know at one point uh, in the article, uh, the uh, comparison is made to the European system. Uh, let's just pick Sweden, for example. And I'll uh, pull up, let's say, Alexander Holtz, who is draft eligible this year. He played in a Jurgarden's system uh, for the last three or four years, including a U16 team and then a U18 squad, a U20 squad. And uh, the last couple of years, he's been playing uh, for the pro team in Jurgarden. And I don't know all the ins and outs of that system. And I honestly, I don't know if it would work in North America. My understanding, and please know that I could be completely wrong on this, I don't know if players sign contracts, you know, when they're 13 years old or if this is all he belongs to that team because of geography. I, I don't know. Perhaps I'll get somebody on from uh, Sweden to uh, let us know how the system there works. But could you have that Swedish-type system in Canada slash North America, I guess, because the CHL includes uh, the United States? I don't know. So, for example, here in Edmonton, you've got the Oilers. Yes, they have a, a junior team in the Edmonton Oil Kings. However, their AHL affiliate is in California. So would you have to have your AHL affiliate also in Edmonton, or could you leave it in California? Not sure. Uh, and their ECHL affiliate as well. Would there be territorial rights so that every northern Alberta kid belongs automatically to this uh, this organization? I don't know. I have reached out to somebody else who uh, is who has a legal uh, background for some clarification on just how all of this is supposed to work. Uh, but I haven't followed up on that since uh, this initial report came out earlier in the week. Keep in mind, Sweden geographically, Sweden could fit inside of Alberta. Alberta alone is I think one and a half times the size of Sweden just by geography so not sure how that would come into play but I mean if you're looking at having a Swedish type system for all of North America all of North America could fit Sweden into its back pocket maybe even its breast pocket so if geography plays any sort of role in in what they do in Sweden for their development system uh, then I'm, I don't think it would work here but we'll have to reach out grab somebody from Sweden and, and maybe get some uh, actual insight into how it uh, operates over there. Uh, part of the uh, article says that Canadian-based players that are playing in major junior leagues have sub substantially less choices and freedom, if any, than European-based players who have the opportunity to play in the American Hockey League or the ECHL before reaching the age of 20 and be paid a salary negotiated by a pro association. Uh, how many European players do you see in the ECHL or the American Hockey League before they're 20? Not very many. I know Ladislav Schmid have played. Uh, there are not very many. So, yes, I suppose that option is there for them. Uh, it doesn't happen very often because you're not taking 18, 19-year-olds in the age of uh, concussion awareness. I don't know how many people would be on board with having even smaller players playing against pros. But anyway, that's uh, part of the the argument made in this lawsuit. In my opinion, if it was just based on talent, there might be a handful of players that, uh, you know, 18-year-old players that I think could have success playing minor pro. Uh, but in terms of uh, proper development, I think it's better to stay in the CHL. You know, 19-year-olds, you could argue, go back a couple of years, Cody Glass was probably too good for the Western Hockey League and probably could have had success playing in the American Hockey League, but it didn't hurt him by staying another year in the WHL. 
it's not like his growth or development was stunted. Anyway, I did find it a bit ironic and confusing, actually, that it was Kobe Moore whose name is attached to this. Uh, back in March, March 13th, as a matter of fact, he posted on Twitter slash Instagram. This was uh, as the Junior Hockey Leagues in North America were all shut down. He said, uh, five years already, huh? Thank you, Junior Hockey, for the unforgettable memories and stick taps to all my teammates over the years for putting up with me. Cheers and God bless, gentlemen. Morsey out. So giving Junior Hockey a rave views there back in March, and six months later, he is suing every notable league in North America. The Toronto Star also had an article. That's actually where I first saw a mention of uh, this story. There was one line in there that uh, somebody had texted uh, me about a reaction to. The uh, the line was, players are marginalized and left with little to show after they're done playing. And uh, the person who texted me said, who knew a free college slash university education was so worthless? And uh, I think that is a fair point. People seem to forget that uh, players might not get paid outside of a, you know, a, a low weekly stipend. They don't get paid while they're playing in the CHL, but uh, if they don't get a pro contract out of it, uh, they are extremely well compensated with their scholarship packages. But we'll see. I've uh, you know, I've got a bit of uh, CHL lawsuit fatigue. So I personally am not going to spend a ton of time on this cuz this could drag out for years again like the uh, minimum wage lawsuit that went class action and was settled for 30 million dollars and then I guess somebody else was challenging it this week. It was supposed to get ratified. You know, the players and the league, the CHL had agreed to terms on a 30 million dollar settlement that I think would see each CHL player that uh, had signed up for it somewhere, I, I don't have it in front of me, somewhere around ten grand, which, as the lawyer for the uh, players said, is real money, uh, but a third party was challenging it, had some sort of objection to it. A union from Europe called uh, WAIPU, W-A-I-P-U, who has a North American division, which happens to include uh, people who were in the, the old CHLPA, effort, which I think uh, all parents and players should be uh, leery about. Just my opinion. Anyway, so that is all the news and notes for this week, and uh, I I'm not sure how much I'm going to deal delve into the whole lawsuit thing again, because uh, we did it with uh, the minimum wage lawsuit, and it just seemed to drag on forever and ever, and kind of got boring and frustrating to talk about. This is a story, so wanted to mention it. We'll see where it goes uh, from here. Anyway, let's get to the guest list. And, of course, all my guests that you hear this week and every week join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. You can get same-day home delivery, order by 1 p.m. And whether you're spending 20 bucks or 200 bucks, if you're getting a six-pack or you're getting two flats, doesn't matter. If you use the promo code PIPELINE, your order will be absolutely free delivery. Right to your door. Now, right now, that's limited to Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, St. Albert, and Sherwood Park. But I know the, the folks at Troubled Monk are trying to figure out ways to expand that to the, the rest of Alberta. But we, that's, they're not there yet. But if you're in one of those five cities, and you might want to ask, you know, you order online. And if you're in Leduc or something like that, and you're 15 minutes south of Edmonton, you might want to ask if it's available. I don't know. Can't hurt to ask, though. But use the promo code PIPELINE and that delivery Right to your door will be no charge. Anyway, the guest list, uh, it goes like this. Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com is going to join me. Talk about uh, half a dozen players that, uh, you know, recently I had all those scouts on. We were talking about uh, six of their personal favorites and one guy that they have a bit of concern with. 
Uh, Mark didn't want to quite go in that specific area, but the six guys that he does talk about are all happen to be guys, well, I think five of the six that Hockey Prospect has ranked higher than uh, pretty much everybody else. Uh, so we kind of do that anyway uh, with Mark. He goes, uh, and they're all forwards, and they're all first-round uh, probable players that Mark is chatting about today. So great timing right before the draft. And because of the draft right around the corner, we got a trio of 2020 draft spotlight segments for you today. We'll start with uh, Wyatt Kaiser, who uh, played high school hockey last year. Defenseman was the captain of his high school team. Is now at, on campus at the University of Minnesota Duluth, where he will play for the Bulldogs, assuming there's a college hockey season. So we'll uh, chat with him, and uh, then we'll end it with the two goaltenders happen to be out of the WHL, hence the question of the week. Two of those four goalies uh, involved in the question of the week. We'll start with Garen Bjorklund from the Medicine Hat Tigers, and we'll end it with Brian Thompson of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And before we uh, kick off the guest portion of the show, uh, Pro Stock Hockey, I just noticed on their Twitter feed that you order a stick from them uh, anytime this weekend, you're going to get uh, triple the usual tape that you get. You're going to get nine free rolls of uh, hockey tape. That's at ProStockHockey.com. They just had a big uh, sale on uh, pants and shells, uh, but that's over now. But uh, follow them on Twitter, at ProStockHockey. So that next time they have a promos and sales, you don't miss out on that. Recently, they were uh, personalizing sticks and uh, gloves as well. So if you missed that, uh, pay attention to and follow them on Twitter so that uh, you notice the next time that they have a promo like that going on. ProStockHockey.com. But let's get to the guests. And uh, we'll start with Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. Steal by Ryan Suzuki. Put it up center ice. Here's Cole Perfetti. What a chance to win the game. Perfetti, backhand, he scores! Cole Perfetti wins it in overtime on a breakaway. Hey, it's Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Yo! Drop your grinning and drop your linen. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we're going to uh, begin this week's episode uh, looking ahead to the 2020 draft, because really that's uh, all we know for sure is going to happen this uh, coming, uh, well, in the for the foreseeable future at least. And, man, it has been a, an interesting lead-up to the draft, obviously with the huge stoppage of a delay in the last six months, basically no hockey to watch. Uh, what do scouts do? Well, let's uh, ask one. Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. Welcome back. 
to the show, Mark. Uh, tell me about what you know how how challenging this uh, this draft has been from a scouting perspective when you've had nothing to go off of for the last five six months until really at least in Europe some uh, exhibition play and stuff like that. But for the most part, no hockey to watch. Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I'm just really thankful that it was at least March and not like you know January or December or November uh, where we were you know, confined to quarters, so to speak, and, and video only. At least it was, we had all the way to March and had a really good look at things before we were shut down. Obviously disappointing that um, couldn't get down to, to Plymouth, who would, would have been hosting the U18, uh, obviously a, a huge part of the scouting schedule each year. And then playoffs. There's always something in the playoffs. A few guys, you know, like to see dig in uh, in the playoffs and, and see some, some of the best hockey of the year as well uh, and and see how some guys perform uh, when it gets a little a little tougher out there uh, shift by shift so but you do what you got to do and uh you know it was it was nice to have um our tools that uh to at least pour through video a little bit quicker you know shift by shift and and the sorting and filtering and you know if you just want to watch some some entries or breakout passes or or just watch all the points or goals assists whatever you want to do and and that sort of thing is is a real nice perk uh to to cover more ground uh quicker um and we did some some zoom meetings where there'd be multiple scouts on the on the meeting and just um watching the game together and that was kind of kind of nice just to be able to uh you know as it happens point out things we're seeing and and talk live as we're we're viewing some tape uh, so that was kind of nice uh, but definitely a different year, and, and it's just felt different, obviously, right through the summer here. And uh, we didn't even know when, when we released when the actual draft date would be. And mm-hmm. we're finally inside three weeks here, which is nice. And uh, book sales uh, were were really good in the spring. I was a little worried. And obviously, there's this upcoming year where there's lots of unknowns, but we're just going to attack it like it's uh, business as usual. So with that, we're a few weeks away from the draft. And kind of looking forward to seeing how it unfolds speaking of the black book uh, for those uh, draft junkies out there who haven't got their copy yet uh, how do they uh, track it down i know you have a print edition available and uh, the pdf versions too but how do people find them yeah so just go to hockeyprospect.com um and you can just click the link for the, the online store and it'll be pretty uh self-explanatory once you get to that point there's a pdf instant download version and then there's another link that will just take you to Amazon, and Amazon will handle you uh, handle you from there. Nice little perk for us this year. Usually we don't get the uh, the print out until we're two weeks away from the draft, so we have a whopping uh, with delivery time included, a whopping 10, 12 days uh, to sell as much as we're going to sell uh, pre-draft. Uh, but this year it's been a nice uh, bonus of having all summer uh, leading up to the draft, and even you know purchases uh I, I actually just checked there's you know some purchases today for example so people are starting to get ramped up now as we're finally approaching uh the draft yeah finally for sure all right let's get to it uh six guys we're going to chat about today they all happen to be forwards and they all happen to be uh, guys that hockeyprospect.com has ranked inside the the first round uh let's start with jacob perot who is the guy i haven't ha- had on the show yet uh before the draft uh, still on my to get list but um, hearing lots of different things about him, lots of different opinions. I think you guys have him ranked higher than than most people. Um, so obviously, this is a guy that that you like. Uh, but tell me why. Yeah, incredibly skilled player. Um, 
fantastic goal scorer, one of the best in the draft, fantastic shot, uh, able to score in multiple ways, you know, backhand, uh, very accurate shot, um, quick release, hard shot, um, not afraid to take the puck to the net. Um, but one of the things that doesn't get talked about quite as much, um, I think, is how good a playmaker he is and his vision and how smart a player he is. And that might just be because he's such a good goal scorer. Um, but really, uh, you know, I just mentioned Instat, how we can watch, you know, points and, you know, you take 35 minutes and just watch all this kid's goals and you can go back to last year and watch all those. And then you can say, if you just want to watch all the points, it was like, you felt like you were watching a highlight reel uh, and the same for Perfetti, uh, for example, uh, watching this kid's, uh, all his points, uh, which is a really nice perk to be able to pour through stuff like that. Um, you know, as an example, I remember how many ridiculous amount of hours I spent a few years ago and not that long ago doing that with Pierre-Luc Dubois and how much longer it took me to pour through all of his points compared to uh, hitting a filter button and hitting, hitting pushing the play button uh, this spring. So nice perk. But um, getting back to the pro, uh, incredibly smart player. This is a, a player with great hockey sense, great skill, as I mentioned. Uh, the skating is actually very good, but there are times where you might be fooled a little bit on the skating because the effort level uh, isn't always there uh, in the skating department. And, and he's he's not afraid to compete. And when I say compete, it's like, you know, going to dirty years, driving, taking a hit to make a play. It's more work ethic, which, you know, we qualify as a piece of that compete grade. Um, and the work ethic at times, not always, but at times, you know, kind of gliding from the center line back into his zone, that sort of thing. So that's kind of where he took the hit for us. That makes him a difficult player to rank. Um, I had him as high as, uh, through the process, you know, my own personal list as high as, I don't know, the nine or 10 area. Um, and he's, he's down to 16 on the final. And really that just comes down to, um, I tell all her guys, I tell all our guys, and I do it myself. Act like you're actually on the draft floor. Act like you're on an NHL contract with a team. You got a two-year contract. You want to get another contract, and you're going to have to live with these picks. And you can't just shoot for the moon and say, "This here's my flyer." And if you don't hit, oh well. Like I would have looked really good if that guy, you know, had hit. So when you start acting like you're actually going to pull the trigger on the on the, on the draft floor, you know, it's a little more difficult to put a player who might have uh, a slight work ethic issue in your top 10. So that said, he only fell to 16 on our list and uh, he, he could turn out to be uh, one of the steals here. I think just on sheer skill, talent level, the scoring ability um, and, and not a dumb hockey player. This is a, a player with incredible vision and in hockey sense. So kind of one of my, uh, one of my players that I'll be really intrigued to follow as we move into uh this season and uh, obviously the season you know, past that as he approaches uh, his NHL days. All right, Jacob Pro, who you have at 16. Let's go to Ridley Gregg, who you have a couple of spots higher than that at 14. And this is a player I, I know a lot of people have had, have maybe the uh, the end of the first round, some into the second round, but you have him a smack dab right in the middle of the first round. So. Uh, this is a guy that has impressed you and your staff a lot. I like him too, but uh, tell me what stands out about him for you. Yeah, so just how much he improved uh, throughout the year. Um, I mean, he wasn't even in our 31 uh, for a good chunk. 
And then even through the process from, uh, say, for example, when we, you know, we, we were locked down uh, in March, just the process from March until the final list, he climbed another uh, probably 10, 12 uh, spots as we watched more. So really impressive um, uh, player as, as the season moved along and how much he improved. Uh, and when I say improved, I mean from from skating uh, to uh, just the hockey sense, showing a, a greater consistency with decision making uh, to his skills. You know, the, the shot, uh, the shot release, shot power, just about everything, every category. He just got a little bit better, uh, and all those little increments uh, helped him shoot up our list. And then, huge factor here, and, and you'll know this, is just the compete. And he's a hard player, a pain in the butt to play against and that sort of thing. And, you know, if you're watching playoff hockey, uh, that's always goes a long way uh, towards success. Uh, but you can't just be a grunt with no talent and be that um, to be drafted high. You've got to have some smarts and, and skill and, and some skating ability and skating really progress. So player we really like, um, and, and this whole grouping here, we just mentioned parole, like this whole grouping down in this area, this 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That was a really tough area ranking this this cluster of players here. Actually, the whole top 20 was, but I, I remember in our in our meetings here, this whole cluster of four or five players was a lot of debate and, and talking through it. So he's another one though, and, and probably keeps sounding like a broken record. But I'll, I'm going to be really intrigued to, to follow this this draft class going forward because I, I really like these top 20 or so players especially. Had 26 goals this year for uh, the the Wheat Kings. Uh, the one thing that, uh, and you mentioned uh, his tenacity in the you know, on the forecheck and agitating player. At 5'11 and what, about 160, 165 pounds, uh, last time we saw him at least, can he have success playing that style of game at the pro level against men, or is he going to have to beef up? And, and probably that happens naturally anyway, and who knows, during this uh, long delay, he may have put on 10 pounds already, don't know, but... Um, does he have to get bigger to have success playing his game? I think I think it would only help him, but I think he's. I think the 164 seems low, uh, just based on eyeballing him. Um, take that for what it's worth, obviously. But I think I think that he's got just that that mentality that it's not going to matter. Um, the the way he plays the game is that shit uh, disturber pain in the ass. And then, like I mentioned, just the the skating ability and the the smarts and the skill to go along with it. So, not concerned about it, obviously, based on where we ranked him. If we if we were, I don't you know think we would have popped him up there at fourteen. But uh, I, I mean, he's he's young enough, right? That um, he's, he's just going to have a certain amount of natural um, man strength added as he gets a little bit older here, anyway. So, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com, my guest. Uh, we've uh, discussed. Ridley Gregg at 14, Jacob Perrow at 16. Right between them uh, is Lucas Reichel from Germany, played for Berlin in the uh, the, the uh, men's league over in Germany, uh, and uh, had a good season. 12 goals, 24 points as a as a as a kid uh, playing against men in 42 games. Uh, so it seems like at least on paper, lots to like about him. But I haven't had a chance to watch him play myself. So uh, tell me all about him. Yeah, really good. Uh, probably of this little group here when we were talking through might be the guy with the highest ceiling but maybe a little more risk just because the odd time didn't quite have as high end as compete and i don't want to make it sound like he's 
he doesn't compete at all or he's lazy. I mean, it's just when you're, you're trying to rank this, this group here, amongst this group, he would have been the one, uh, I think, um, uh, not, not with that throw we talked about, but, but going up against, um, going up against Greg, who they're back to back here. That was probably one of the factors here was that a rifle, his compete, just the odd time, you know, it just dropped off a little bit as compared to who we just talked about mm. where it's off the charts. So, but that said, uh, ridiculous skater, he'd be the, 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 one of the better skaters in the draft. Um, and definitely against the Greg, um, better in that department, the skills, their smarts is very good as well. So really high ceiling from the, the skills, smarts, uh, playmaking standpoint, um, with the speed up a notch, but just compared to a few other guys, just back it off a little in our compete department. So, um, but you know, he's played, played against some men here and all that sort of thing. But, uh, another player we really like, um, you know, we had, we had, uh, his countryman Paterka ahead of him a good chunk of the year, but the more, uh, I watched Reichel and, and the other guys watched him, um, it actually didn't turn out to be all that close, and, and Reichel passed by uh, Paterka, who we also really like. Uh, 12 goals and 12 assists for uh, Reichel this past season. Do you see him moving forward more of a, a setup guy or a, as a finisher? I think he's dual. Um, probably say more of a setup guy if I had to choose, but I don't think he's you know he's going to lack in in one of the areas. Okay, very good. Dawson Mercer, you have at, at 18. Here's the guy who was traded halfway through uh, last season from Drummondville to Shakutami. And his production w- with the Saganines, 18 points in 16 games. It's great, more than a point-per-game guy. But uh, he had 42 points in 26 games with Drummondville. So his uh, production rate dropped a little bit, not necessarily a concern. But uh, what would you chalk that up to? Any reason? Uh I don't know, maybe just, you know, bigger ice and just getting used to things. Um, not a concern. I had seen enough of him. Uh, I wasn't really concerned about too much to do with him by the time he was heading uh, to a different team. You know, having him at 18 just about sums up this draft for me and how much I like this this top group here. Because I absolutely love Dawson Mercer. Probably one of my favorite interviews ever, just mm-hmm. for starters, before we even hit the ice. And then an incredibly smart hockey player, um, just the kind of guy. I mean, the, I knew Dale Hunter would would pick him. Just knowing Dale for a few years now, uh, and, and knowing how he is, and, and being around him, I knew that that when he he saw Mercer and the intangibles, you know, he's got those qualities that that Dale knew he could trust. And I had a really good feeling that Mercer was going to be playing uh, in a red jersey at Christmas. Uh, I really, really like this this player, but when you see him at 18 on our list, that just shows you the the quality of players uh, in his grouping here, and where he lacks. And one of the things, that, you know, a couple of things that hurt him, uh, his shot not not incredibly consistent. Um, I've seen him score scores some beautiful goals, and some other people probably have too. And uh, but just consistency with the shot, the the, the shot power, that sort of thing, compared to some absolutely ridiculous shots. Uh, on some players in this top 20. He doesn't match up in that department. And then the skating. Um, is he an awful skater? No, he's not. But again, just it's tough to hold your spot against some of the talent in this top 20 this year and going up against some of the guys that uh, that beat him out in the spots ahead. 
Uh, the skating is just an area where he can show some improvement. So am I worried about the skating? No. Am I worried about the shot? No. But again, when you're ranking these things, you've got to come up with some reasons about who, why someone's going to be ahead of the other guy. And those were two contributing factors why uh, Dawson is behind, uh, you know, a Perot and a Ryko and a Greg, for example. In, in that that grouping I talked about, that was very difficult to rank. These these guys are incredibly, incredibly tight um, group here. As far as you know, if, the, if if we had decided to do rankings all summer, you know, we might have flipped one or the other and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I'm not saying we did or we talked about it, but it, in not maybe just in this group, but just our list in general, it, it's. It was a difficult draft to rank. Uh, like splitting hairs uh, between some of these guys, it sounds like. A lot of it just, Guy, on, on just your philosophy. You know, do we do we want to rank Reichel higher than Greg because he we think he's got the higher ceiling, maybe a little more risk of bust? And I'm not saying there's a huge risk of bust, but that's what I'm talking about, the splitting hairs on these, which way you want to go on the philosophy of, of who, you know, you, know, you want to take a little more risk or... I mean, we think Greg's a really sure thing to be an NHLer and, and be a pretty darn good one. Um, and Reichel too. But if we had to pick which one has a better chance of maybe not, you know, reaching, uh, our projection, we would probably go the Reichel route, but he's the one with a higher ceiling. So if you see, get one, yeah. see what I'm getting at here and just how you want to choose about your philosophy, you know, you want to, you know, kind of like swing for the fences more or, or play safe and, and different parts of the draft, you can attack things that way, right? And we don't have the benefit of having an actual roster, too, where you can maybe when you're getting in those tight, those tight ranking areas where you're struggling to rank, maybe you're looking at a team need as an extra factor. And we just we don't have a team need because yeah. we're not a team. Yeah. Um, so it gets a little tricky that way for us. All right, a couple more guys to uh, chat about, uh, and both of them known as goal scorers. Let's start with Cole Perfetti, who you have number four, again, which is probably, I think everybody has him in the top ten, but maybe not necessarily as high as you do at HockeyProspect.com. Uh, what is it about uh, Perfetti that uh, elevates him to number four for you? Yeah, I noticed on um, Bob's final list, Mackenzie's final list, he had him, uh, I think, at five, and... Um, when I saw Bob at the top prospect game, the first thing he asked me, because uh, we had just released that day, and the first thing he asked me was, who do you have higher, Rossi or Perfetti? And we had Perfetti higher at that point, too. And uh, he said that was the one that he was interested in when he was talking to the scouts. It was very split and back and forth and all that kind of stuff. So that was the first uh, question he asked me, interestingly enough. And... Uh, his, his list came out a couple weeks later and it was Rossi and now it's Perfetti on his ended up higher. So it flipped for him between January and, and June when he started talking to the scouts again. Anyways, Perfetti is a player I've watched for a very long time. He played two years of, of minor midgets. So a year ahead of his minor midget OHL draft season. Um, and then he obviously has been in Saginaw for a couple of years. So, had a chance to watch him for a while. Uh, his first year minor midget, I think I only saw him play a couple times. Uh, very first time I saw him, he jumped out, uh, in, in the hockey sense, jumped out quickly, uh, just how he read, could read the ice and, uh, was aware of, of his surroundings and offensive hockey. Um, and then in his, uh, his actual HL draft year, I saw him a few more times. He was very good. And then obviously in Saginaw. I've seen him 
quite a bit. So uh, I think that probably the highest uh, hockey sense for me in the whole draft uh, where he lacks is in the skating department. Is he awful? No, he's not awful. But again, there's some pretty high-end skaters. Uh, but I think the hockey sense um, and his skill level is going to allow him uh, to play around a little bit of the, the, the skating weakness. Really good kid. Enjoyed my... Uh, my, I interviewed him twice, actually, uh, once in person and once on Zoom, and uh, really like him. Um, very nice kid, smart kid. Um, I think he's aware of, of where he needs to get better. I think he's self-aware of his own game. Um, I asked him to describe a play, um, you know, where he was kind of almost impressed himself, so to speak. I forget the way I worded it. Hmm. Uh, but the detail he went into describing uh, um, a certain play, a certain rush uh, in a game against a Sioux was really interesting to hear him take me through the, the play. Um, and I had actually watched the game recently. It's so easy, uh, again, just going through, pouring through so much of this tape. So it was interesting to hear him describe uh, the play I had just happened to watch recently. Saw so him play one really poor game all year, uh, and I think he had the flu um, so obviously that would add up. Uh, but he's the type of player where I saw him, I think maybe just get one assist one game, and I thought he was lights out good. Uh, just all the little things he does, quick little passes, knowing where everybody is on the ice, making guys around him better. Uh, the way he changes his pace, his speeds, um, creates ice for himself. Uh, the way he reads for check, um, and he'll he'll be he'll, he'll put so much deception into his game. Um, he'll fool an oncoming forward checker on what he's going to do. He'll wait for the forward checker to fill that lane, and he's already a step ahead, and he's seeing his uh, his teammate coming in the other lane where he wanted to go all along, and he'll dish it there. Really fun player to watch. Um, the more you watch him, the more you just appreciate uh, how much he uh, gets the offensive part of the game. Defensively, getting better all the time. Uh, is he a stud defensively? No, but he's not an absolute liability either. Uh, and he competes pretty hard, um, but there's a lot to like here. And uh, he's one that I'm, I'll be interested to see, you know, if he goes up in the four or five area, he slides down to, uh, you know, a 10 or 11 or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's going to be fun to watch that ton, top 10 unfold uh, as well. Well, I'm glad to hear you say what you said at the end there about potential of a, of a slide. Somebody else mentioned to me they thought he was this year's Cole Caulfield, not just because they had the same first name, but you know, really offensive, but smaller guy. Do you see a similarities between the two of them? Uh, not really, because Caulfield was just such a, just elite, elite, elite in that one area, um, in the goal scoring area. Whereas Perfetti is a dual threat. This kid can really shoot the puck and score himself, but he's just an incredible uh, playmaker because of the, the high hockey sense and vision. He's just, like I said, a step ahead. Um, so I just, and I'm not trying to say that Cole Caulfield is a dumb player and like that, but, but a much more defined when you think Cole Caulfield, you just think goals. Whereas when I think Cole, uh, when I think Perfetti, I just think offense period, you know, and and just dual threat. Um, and just how much he, like, if you put Cole, I've, I've said, I've said for a while to, to our scouts and stuff, I can't wait to watch Perfetti with. NHL talent around him with high hockey sense with him. Um, he, he doesn't play with a whole ton of 
uh, elite hockey sense guys in Saginaw, and he still made them a lot better. So to watch him play with some NHL guys who have hockey sense kind of closer to his level is going to be something I'm looking forward to watching. All right. Uh, that was uh, Perfetti, who you have at number four. Let's finish with Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, who you have all the way up at number seven. Uh, I'm guessing goal scoring and just the second half that he had is probably what elevated him there. Um, now, I, I'm not sure if you got to see uh, Jarvis in person or not this past season, uh, but uh, tell me what sort of impression uh, he gives you. Yeah, seeing him in person. Um, this this <laughs> Holy crap. There was, there was times I just thought he took the game over by himself. Um, I think it was a game against Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. It was almost like he just said, oh, I'm going to just beat them today by myself. I think it was three nothing after one. He might have been in all three goals and it was almost like game over and it was all him. Um, love, love to compete. You're seeing the trend here with the compete and the hockey sense and they got to have skill. Well, that's, you know, he fills all these categories here. Uh, the only thing he's lacking in is he's not a huge kid, uh, but compete for the roof. Uh, he's got the skill to match put up a ton of points this year another player that scores in multiple ways saw him score from you know outside the hash but he's not afraid to go to the net bring the puck to the net uh and then surprised me with uh, his playmaking ability as well uh you know he made guys around him better and then just really uh really good on his edges too as far as just a change of direction and, and finding you know, quickly getting into a different lane uh, cutting to the middle, that sort of thing. Elusive, I guess is a better word, what I'm trying to say here. Um, but big fan of this kid. Um, and it wasn't, it was funny because I thought he got off to a poor start and I kind of just forgot about him. Um, and some guys that went on some early trips out west, a couple of NHL skills, and they said, Hey, did you happen to see Jarvis? How was he in there? Like, ah, all right, nothing, nothing fantastic. And then that just all changed as we approached, uh, late November and the Christmas area, if memory serves. And then in the, the new year, all the way home until uh, we stopped, Oof, he was light so good. Um, and then interviewed him. That was a Zoom interview. Really liked him. Uh, knows his game. Um, I think he I think he understands what it's going to take, you know, to be a pro, uh, that sort of thing. So one, one of my things I always just like to talk about is just ask the players how they see themselves you know, and just to see if it matches up to kind of like what I see when I watch. And, uh, you know, he was one that for sure, I think, knows his own game and, and what he is. You don't want to see that stay-at-home defenseman, you know, compare himself to, uh, you know, Quinn Hughes type deal, right? So, yeah, so it's uh, incredibly tight D, uh, some real talent there. I mean, you know, if you look at our list and the Perfetti, Sanderson, Quinn, Jarvis, Raymond, Rossi, uh, Holtz, like that whole group there was not fun to rank. And I don't know which way it's going to fall on draft day, but you won't hear me go, what the hell? Like if, 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 uh, Holtz is taken fourth or Perfetti's taken tenth or whatever way it's going to go here, because that is an incredibly tight grouping of players. Well, it's going to make for a, a fun draft. Unfortunately, it will, it'll have a different feel. Uh, than uh, most years with it all being online and stuff. But uh, at least we have a date for the draft, uh, October 6th and 7th, and then we can uh, flip the page and start looking ahead to the 2021 draft. And I uh, hope you'll be able to join me again all next season uh, for the uh, lead-up 
to that uh, that draft again, Mark. I appreciate your time. Yeah, take care, Geek. We'll uh, talk to you sometime soon, and if I'm going to talk to you before, enjoy the uh, couple days we got ahead, and then we will turn the page. It's funny talking to uh, NHL guys. Like, nobody's kind of turned to the 2021s. Everybody's just wants to put this to bed finally, and then, yeah. and then we'll move on. And a little easier in the fact that nothing started, obviously, but yeah. we do know there are some guys that have have got going here uh, that uh, are still going to be on these lists we're talking about. So, but our list, uh, we decided in June, this was it. Um, so it'll be to stay like this and well, whatever we'll miss, we'll just say, well, we didn't change it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Thanks for this. Stay safe. Okay. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Mark Edwards from hockeyprospect.com with another great rundown on uh, a six pack of players eligible for the 2020 draft. All of them inside uh, their first round rankings. All of them actually inside the top 20 for HockeyProspect.com. Interested to hear your feedback, what you thought of what he had to say about those particular players. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Joining me next on the Troubled Monk Hotline, we're going to start three consecutive uh, segments of 2020 draft spotlights. First up, we'll head to the University of Minnesota Duluth in Duluth, Minnesota. Wyatt Kaiser will be a freshman defenseman this year, but first he's going to get drafted. Don't know where? We chat with him a bit about that, and we look back at his season playing high school hockey where he was captain for his team. All of that coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, this is Scott Stanley, coach of the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! And Duncan Keith. And future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Batman is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we're going to end this week's uh, show with uh, three consecutive uh, 2020 Draft Spotlight segments where we're going to hear from uh, three different players, all of them eligible for the draft uh, that's coming early in October. Uh, Our first stop is going to be uh, the University of Minnesota in Duluth with the Bulldogs. Defenseman Wyatt Kaiser, welcome to the Pipeline Show. Wyatt, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you, and I know you, we were just chatting before we started. Uh, the team is has got together, and you've been practicing. You've been there for about a month now, so starting to feel comfortable in your new surroundings? Yeah, no, it's been awesome. The guys, the older guys have been great here, um, very welcoming. Uh, the culture so far has been unbelievable. Well, that's good news. Uh, now, with the uncertainty of exactly when you get to start uh, the season, I know I think officially the teams are allowed to start full-time practices, what, October, something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But um, just anyway, with the <laughs> with the uncertainty of when everything can get going closer to normal, uh, are you concerned at all with, with that? And what's just kind of the mindset for you and for the guys? 
no, I think the team's just got a mindset of just kind of come to the rink every day and get your work in. And even if they're like if the, the season's postponed, I mean, we're just trying to get better every day. So if there's a season, we're the best we can be. Oh, that's a good attitude to have. Uh, with the NHL draft right around the corner, I know it's something you've been waiting for for a long time, a lot longer than uh, than most draft class uh, uh, groups have to, for sure. Uh, what's the last you know five six months been like with uh, with the whole global pandemic and just kind of uh, having to sit around and wait and see what's going to happen? I mean, just at this point, I'm just ready for anything. Like I don't know, so many things have been happening in the last five six months. Just got to be ready for anything. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to the draft. I'm excited. When everything got shut down last March, where were you? Were you with uh, Dubuque or were you uh, still playing high school? What what uh, what was your situation? So we just finished our high school state tournament, like, and that the, before the week it shut down. So we just got done with that, and then that next Saturday I was heading down to Dubuque, and the season got canceled on Thursday. So I booked a trip to Mexico with my hockey team. We were going down on a spring break trip to Mexico. <laughs> So then I went down there for a week, came back in quarantine for about two and a half months or however long we were supposed to stay at home. Well, at least you got to go on a little bit of a vacation before uh, everything got shut down. But, um, you know, the, when it comes to training and, and stuff like that, getting prepared for the season, it's got to be a lot different this past summer than, uh, you know, this past five-month-long summer uh, than in, uh, in most years. Yeah, no, it definitely was. It, um, it wasn't bad, though. I mean, I got to play a lot of tennis, kind of let the body rest for about two months, kind of during the quarantine, and then get back into things with some skating and working out and trying to figure out that again. But no, it ended up good. I had a, I had a good little thing going on in Minnesota. In a normal year, when would the rinks open? Like, when would you normally get on the ice to start skating as you prepare for a season, what, like late July or August or something? Mm, I probably would have started pretty early, to be honest, um, right after my season would be done. Because I guess if I went up down to the USHL, I would have another three months, so it would probably take a month off. So, yeah, around July. Okay. Uh, and I know, depending on where the person is that I'm talking to, uh, you know, if some rinks overseas weren't open until September, and up here some of them weren't open until August. Uh, what about for you? Were you able to get on the ice? Uh, in you know at a normal time frame or was it a bit later of a start this year? No, we got we I was able to get on on time. Um, I was like kind of some friends and different things are really good about getting us ice time and being safe about things, and so we got some ice times and it was good. All right, well let's talk hockey. And uh, for for you last season, you spent most of the uh, the season uh, with your high school club and uh, how things go. And I can see the stat line: thirty four points in in twenty five games sounds pretty good. Looks like you're wearing the captaincy this past year as well. How did you feel about the season when you look back on it now? Looking back at the season, I think it was I think it went really well for me. Um, I think I learned a lot, honestly. But not even like just the game, but leadership and a lot of different things about myself. So starting off the season, it was coming back from Dubuque, and I wanted to make sure I played hockey the right way. Mm-hmm. And it was the best I could be for my team. And so it was kind of just looking into talking to the coaches, kind of looking at the team and how I best fit in. And so it was kind of just an all-around defenseman. I could play defense, offense, PK, power play, and still doing the right things, moving the puck, not overhandling it because – you could say it was a lower level than the USHL. Sure. And so I just kind of carried that onto it and tried to develop my offense while I kept doing the simple things right. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was taking strides in my offense, and I was excited to go down to Dubuque and keep kind of taking those strides. 
Was it an easy thing to add to your plate to to be the captain in as a in your final year? Yeah, I mean the group of guys down uh, on my high school team were un- unbelievable. They didn't really need any leadership. I mean we all we had 15 seniors that we all grew up playing hockey, and I mean everybody had the mindset of we're winning the state tournament. I mean doing anything possible. So there wasn't a whole lot I had to do. It was just chipping in here and there, maybe doing a few extra things, but it really wasn't a lot. Uh, and forgive my ignorance, uh, how did the uh, playoffs go in the in the state championship? Uh, came in really confident. I mean, we won our we went through our sections. I think it was nine nothing or eight one. Our section final game was, hmm. and probably some of the best hockey we were playing. And so we came in real confident, thinking if we play our game, I don't think there's anybody that can beat us. But state tournament's a different thing. I mean, playing in front of fifteen thousand people for the first time ever. I mean, changes things. Guys were nervous. I mean, kind of just everybody's trying to do the right thing instead of naturally flowing. And I mean, we outshot them 14 to 2 in the third period. Just mm. they had a hot goalie. Just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Oh, well, well that's got to be a thrill, though, even though it didn't go end up going your way to, to play in front of that big crowd like that. Uh, something you're going to remember for forever. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, from sophomore and junior year, lost in double overtime both years to go to state. And finally, just being able to get there was super nice. I mean, you're there to win it. So, but the last two games, last two games of the year, consolation at Mariucci, where I mean, we kind of saw our team, everybody relax and just played hockey, got a little creative, and I mean, four one four one, pretty easy breezy. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, when you uh, look ahead to this coming season, you mentioned you're at uh, Duluth already and uh, getting to practice with the team. The sheet I'm looking at. Uh, wasn't sure it, it wasn't clear if you were going to be playing college this year or if you'd be back in the USHL for a, a full season. But 100% uh, it's it's college for you. Yep, 100%. Okay. Uh, what was it about uh, joining the Bulldogs that was the right fit for you? I know there's a lot of options in uh, in Minnesota for Division One uh, programs. Um, and uh, I, I, when I talked to a lot of people, maybe it was the Golden Gophers that was the team that a lot of uh, people grew up. Uh, and uh, thought that would be the program for them. But uh, the Bulldogs have been really good for the last decade. Uh, so maybe maybe it's not why is it the right school, because it's a, obviously a pretty darn good school, and Scott Sandlin's an, an awesome coach. But why was it the right one for you? So it's actually funny you say that the Minnesota Gophers are the number one. No, so growing up in my family, both my parents went to North Dakota, and my dad played football there, so they were big North Dakota fans. So I was ah. wanting, wanting to play for North Dakota. And so going into the recruiting process, I always wanted to stay around Minnesota or North Dakota. And so, I don't know, just talking to North Dakota didn't feel right. And I was like, I want to go somewhere where I feel it feels right to me and talk to some schools around and talk to Duluth and everything just just felt right. I mean, I like the culture. I like the coaching staff a lot. The players around, what they had going on, the school just a nice small school at a good business school. I mean, just just felt right. And so I just went with my gut feeling and went with it. Now, when you look at track record for the Bulldogs in the last, you know, as I said, the, the last decade, I was at the Frozen Four in 2011 when they won in overtime. And, it is, you know, that year and since then, with as many guys as they're pushing to pro hockey and onto the NHL, and a lot of them defensemen, it, how how much of that is a you know an influence for uh, when you make that decision? Now North Dakota's made it produced a lot of NHL talent as well, but uh, <laughs> when you look at the Bulldogs, you think, well, man, I'm a defenseman, and they're 
becoming a defenseman factory, that's the right place to go. Yeah, that for sure helps the decision. I mean, but at the same time, it was I knew anywhere I went that it was I was going to push myself to be the best I could be, and mm-hmm. I think this program is just hopefully fits it fits right, and I can be the best I can be. I know a lot of freshmen will have to kind of bide their time, especially on a program that's deep in in players, uh, and you might not get you know top uh, pairing minutes and and all of that stuff. Do you have a what are your expectations coming in? Uh, this season for how much you're going to get to play and and things like that, or do you just bide your time and uh, you know do whatever is asked of you and and hopefully the ice time comes. Yeah, I'm just ready for anything. Um, if I if I get to play big minutes, I'm super happy about that. If I don't, I mean I'm ready to fill a role. Okay, uh, let's get a scouting report. Uh, Wyatt, the, the draft uh, less than a month away now. Uh, if uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch you play, so for for the benefit of myself and for my audience that probably didn't see a whole lot of Minnesota high school hockey either, what kind of a player are you? I am a smooth skating two-way defenseman that can move the puck. Simple as that. Yep, I think that I don't. I don't think I need to get much complicated like into depth from that. I think I'm a good skater. I can play two ways. Simple game, move the puck, break it out very well. I, I've uh, I got a list in front of me that says five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy pounds, but I don't know how out of date that is. So what are you at right now? I'm at six foot one eighty. Six foot one eighty. So do you feel a little bit different on the ice with a a little bit of exercise? Yeah, I mean a little bit more power and a little faster. When it comes to the draft, were you, are you a guy that uh, you know all last season? Were you looking at the rankings to see who has you where and things like that? Because you're a bit of a wild card. I see some rankings have you fairly high and others who don't have you nearly as high. So uh, when you think of the draft, what was, you know, or, or are you one of those guys who tries not to think about it? No, honestly, during the season last year, I don't think I looked at all. I, oh, mean, really? I was so focused on, I, yeah, I was more of a, I don't, anything outside of this, my team, I don't really, I'm not too worried about my goal is to win the state tournament right now. And it's like the scoutings and all that doesn't matter to me right now. After the season, I can worry about it more, but during the season, it was locked in. So what about now with the draft uh, three weeks away? Does it matter to you where in the draft you get uh, taken? Sure, everybody wants to be a first round pick, but that if that doesn't happen and you're, a, you know, a, a third or a second or a sixth round pick, does it matter? No, it doesn't. I don't. It's not not a big deal to me. Um, I mean, I'm hoping for as high as I can go for sure. But at the end of the day, after you get drafted, you got such a long way to go, anyways. White, you're a Minnesota guy. Does that make you a Wild fan automatically, or uh, were you cheering for somebody else? No, it does. <laughs> it does, uh, sadly. <laughs> sadly. Were you close enough uh, to, to St. Paul and Minneapolis to, to uh, actually get to go and watch some games? Yep, I'm only about 35, 40 minutes out. Oh, that's easy. So um, I get down there. Yeah, it's pretty easy to drive. So I get down there every once in a while and watch. All right. Anybody in particular that uh, at that level that uh, I don't know if they're just uh, – personal favorites of yours or or are there players that you can look to and say you know what i'm built like that guy i might skate like that guy if i uh, play like him i might be able to carve out a, a future for myself as a pro too is there somebody like that that comes to mind um well i grew up watching marion gabrick i just i should say that as a wild fan i really enjoy i liked watching him a lot growing up but um same with duncan keith i would say duncan keith i kind of i think i play i can play like him a little bit okay perfect well, listen, Wyatt, I really appreciate the conversation. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, wish you the best of luck, whatever happens at the uh, at the draft, and uh, we'll be watching this to see how far uh, UMD goes this year, and hopefully we get some college hockey sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, let's hope.
<laughs> Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Wyatt Kaiser from the University of Minnesota Duluth, uh, the UMD Bulldogs, and what a place to go if you're a defenseman right now because that program has turned out some good ones. Scott Perunovich, Dylan Sandberg, just off the top of my head, Mikey Anderson, all within the last, uh, well, two, three years. Interesting that he was such a North Dakota fan, though, growing up, uh, because that also a program that has churned out a number of uh, NHL players and uh, many of them. Uh, Blue Liners as well. But uh, White Kaiser is going to be an interesting to to follow on draft day to see where he's uh, chosen. As I mentioned to him, I, I've seen rankings that have him, you know, solidly as a second rounder. Others that have him as, a, you know, a much later pick, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Only takes one team to like him a lot. Uh, so we'll see where he goes on draft day. Next up on the uh, Troubled Monk hotline, we'll continue on with the 2020 draft spotlights. The next two, both going to be WHL goaltenders as the dub is well represented this year for the NHL draft, four of them inside the NHL Central Scouting's top 12. And uh, first up here, we're going to go to Medicine Hat, Garen Bjorklund of the Tigers. He's my next guest in the spotlight next here on the Pipeline Show. No sleep till! Been off the wall, falling there was Longo as uh, he couldn't stop that rush on the right side. Goodberg walks in, hands it up in front, that's so good! Making a nice read there, especially on those long legs. Hey, it's Matt Sogard from the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit ArcanRV.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Fights like an old lady. We're back on the Pipeline Show, and let's continue on with the 2020 Draft Spotlight segments as we're uh, joined by another player eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft. This time we go to the Western Hockey League and down in southern Alberta with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think my guest is actually from northern Alberta, Garen Bjorkland. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, uh, Garen. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate uh, you making time, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't you up in Grand Prairie, or you're from that area, aren't you? So, yeah, actually, um, I was born and raised in Grand Prairie, and uh, um, I moved to Calgary in 2016, and then uh, after the season got cut short here this year, um, in March, I my parents moved back to Grand Prairie for work, so that's where I'm at right now. Okay, so you're up in GP right now. All right, well, that's, yeah. what, that's kind of what I thought, uh, and is your brother up there too, Payson? Yes, he is. All right, well, I wanted to chat with you uh, because uh, obviously the NHL draft right around the corner and uh, just trying to uh, get as many interviews with uh, draft-eligible players as we can. And I imagine this draft, uh, this this lead-up to the draft is just taking so long for you. I imagine you're eager to, uh, you know, enjoy the day but finally get it over with too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, um, the wait goes on, but uh, I'm just excited for it to, for it to happen. And um, it's definitely – some excited – some exciting for me and a bunch of other NHL prospects for sure. 
Uh, tell me about this uh, this extended off season and what it's meant for training. Uh, were you able to to start training basically like you would normally, or you know, were you, was it mostly off ice stuff for the first little while before you could get into onto the ice? Yeah, so the the rinks were closed right up to start um, when I got back. So a lot of it was um, off like off ice stuff with uh, weight training and um, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was good. I mean, after the season, I wanted to gain a few pounds before going into the, the next season. So, um, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. I, I gained a few pounds. So, um, I'm, so now it's just kind of getting back on the ice and um, getting ready for what's up, what's up and coming. So, uh, If gaining uh, a few pounds was all it took, uh, man, I'd be a superstar. For a goaltender, I'm thinking an extended period where you're not on the ice and, and practicing your angles and taking shots and all of that type of stuff. Is that, do you think it's more challenging for a goalie to, to not be able to, to have that normal training period than it is for a skater? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, even though I haven't been on the, or I've been on the ice quite a, quite a bit now since mm-hmm. uh, it was such a long off season compared to normal, but uh, at the start, I mean, it wasn't too bad getting back on the ice. Um, skating could be a, a little different once you get back out there, but um, I did a lot of eye training and stuff, um, so it wasn't too bad, but it's it's nice to be back on ice for sure. What does eye training involve? I assume that's off-ice stuff, like reactionary things? Yeah, off-ice stuff, just reactionary. Um, uh, yeah, just kind of make sure you're not falling asleep, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so eye training. Um, in Calgary, there's eye-to-eye. They do a lot of training there too, so I, I, did, I did stuff with them when I was in Calgary, and I still go... Um, back and forth from Grand Prairie to Calgary right now. Oh, really? That's uh, not a short distance. Uh, for uh, the listeners who might not be familiar with Alberta geography, that's got to be seven-hour drive. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Grand Prairie, you're probably pretty familiar with that being in yeah. Edmonton there. Yeah. Um, so four and a half hours from Edmonton north, and Calgary is like seven and a half, eight from Grand Prairie. So I, 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 I take trips um, to Calgary to skate with, um, crash conditioning and work out there. So, um, cause I've been training with them for the past few years now. So I like to, I like to go back and, and, uh, skate with those guys. So, well, uh, Garen Bjorklund is my uh, guest. He uh, plays for the Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, but, uh, for the benefit of the audience that, you know, there'll be uh, my audience is across North America and there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans don't watch the WHL, don't watch junior hockey at all, but because it's the draft, they're going to want to get to know uh, all the draft-eligible players. So for the benefit of, the, of people like that, let's get a bit of background. We've established you're from Grand Prairie. Uh, wh- how old were you when you first uh, started playing in net? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was my first year, Adam. Is that about five, six years old, something like that? Uh, I think it might be, I think, seven. Seven, maybe. okay. Um, yeah, so my, in novice, I was uh, on, the, on the blue line, um, me and Kid and Gooley were actually D partners for the longest time in novice. So really, um, so that's a pretty, pretty interesting fact. <laughs> yeah. So we still keep in touch. We're pretty good buddies. So, but yeah. So in my first year, Adam was my first year playing and playing full time in net. But I started playing on a team when I was about four. Uh, what led you to the position, though? What attracted you? What made you curious about trying it? Um, I'd have to say a bunch of things. I mean. Being a little kid, I loved watching the goalies in the NHL and stuff, and just their cool gear. Um, mm-hmm. So that that definitely attracted my eye as well. 
as uh, having an older brother, uh, Pace, and he would always make me throw on the pads and uh, <laughs> play in garage hockey or on the outdoor rink. So, um, yeah, so I, it worked out for sure. But, um, yeah, Payson was a Payson was a big influence on that for sure. Well, yeah, older brothers, eh? Throw the uh, little brother in net and use him as a target. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had an older brother too. And, hey, I was a goaltender when I was a kid too, so maybe there's something about that. I mean, it's funny how many goaltenders I talked to about the – just the equipment was such an attraction. Want to put the pads on, want to wear a glove or the the, the cage uh, like that. And similar for you as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I still really enjoy um, that time when you set a pads or you get to kind of customize what you want. I mean, I think that's something pretty special. That, I mean, kind of the goalie culture is about yeah. as well as uh, kind of having your own unique look in the net compared to other goalies against you, right? Now, I know in, in previous years in Medicine Hat, goalies, uh, I think, always had a white or a black mask, but uh, I think things have loosened up a little bit there. I know Mads has uh, a paint job on his now. Uh, you you get to be a little bit creative with yours as well? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, I think the team has some some rules on what we were allowed putting it on, put, or putting our, our own little design on there, but... Uh, I mean, you definitely had some say in what you kind of wanted to make it a little personal. What's on yours? Um, with my mask, I just wanted to be a little basic. I was I was pretty fortunate to get a mask as my first full year. Um, usually, they don't give out masks in medicine until your second or third year in. So right. um, I was pretty gifted. So I just wanted to throw a teepee on there because I know medicine hat's um, pretty known for their largest teepee. So um, that's right. Yeah. I put that on there. Uh, I put a cross because I I am fairly religious when growing up and stuff. So okay, um, and uh, just the tiger head. So having that on on there kind of did the trick for sure. Oh, I was I just found it. I was able to pull it up uh, while we we're uh, chatting. Yeah, that's a pretty sharp mask, and I do see the the world's largest teepee there on the uh, on the right hand side, right underneath the tiger or right above the tiger. Uh, nice. It looks great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, tell me about getting the medicine hat and, and what that first experience was like uh, for yourself. Uh, I mean, you're a player that that came in and uh, and earned a spot. But I mean, a, a first round pick, 21st overall uh, just a couple of years ago, well, three years ago now. But um, expectations and, and pressure on a first round pick like that. Um, how did that feel? Did you feel that pressure? Uh, a little bit. I mean, uh, going into camp, I, uh, I trained pretty hard that off season and um i felt like i was sticking for sure um and i had a good camp but uh at the same time that's when mads um came in yeah to the mess that was uh um the teams were allowed to take import goalies again yeah so um so that kind of that was kind of a curveball but uh it was all right i mean i i got sent back to the buffaloes and had a great year there. We uh, went to Telus Cup. We won the league, so mm-hmm. um, that was that was some special. So maybe early on in you know September October, that's a tough pill to swallow. But at the end of the year, do you look back and say, you know that that might have been the best thing for me? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still got to got to go up and play some games and um, and also win a championship with the Buffs. So um, yeah, it, it, it probably couldn't work out any better. So yeah. And you played in the U-17s that year as well for uh, Canada Black, so uh, lots of experience. Uh, now, this past season, or the uh, the season that got shortened, 
uh, back in medicine at full time with the Tigers. Uh, but as Matt Sogard's still there, so you're, you know, not the, uh, you, I don't know if you'd say backup, but maybe 1B if uh, we can put that spin on it. But um, to be in your NHL draft year and not be a starter can be a bit frustrating for some goalies that I've chatted with because you're always wanting to get exposure and play, but you also know that uh, there's another guy that's probably on the depth chart ahead of you. Um, so what was this season like for you? You know, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I had Mads there to help me out when I needed him. I mean, he just he's kind of been through what I uh, am going through now. So he's been through the draft, and anytime I needed questions or whatnot, he was there for sure. So um, having Mads to compete with, maybe he would help he would help me and hopefully I would help him a little bit and uh, just having like a competitor to practice with. I mean, um, he's helped me for sure. Yeah. And it's not like he was getting 80% of the starts. He started 37 or played in 37 and you played in 28. So it was, you know, not quite a 50, 50 split, but not that far off. And, you know, I imagine when he was uh, at the World Junior Championship and stuff like that, you got all the bulk bulk of the action then. So uh, that relationship, though, between goaltenders, it's it's unique because only one guy can play at a time, and you want what's best for the team, but you also want to play. Um, so it's kind of a juggling act there a bit, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's all love between me and him. So um, we are really good buddies all through the year. I uh, am not having a car in the hat. I uh, <laughs> I was I was his Uber driver, so um, we would always uh, carpool together. It was good. He's like six six or six seven or something, though. So did you have to do some special adjustments with your seat so that uh, he could fit? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You just lay it down. We had to we had to we had to push it back as far as it could go for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you kept in touch uh, during this uh, this big break here? Yeah, we try to keep in touch as much as possible. Um, if uh, We'll always hit each other up sometimes to play NHL together, um, Xbox or whatnot. So right. we try to keep in touch as much as possible. Uh, Garen Bjorklid, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's get a bit of a, a scouting report from you, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, I, I think to some degree everybody's a, a butterfly goaltender these days. But you know, is there certain aspects of your game that you think you're stronger at, or or something like that? What kind of what will what will stand out about uh, the way you play if uh, somebody who's never watched you play will uh, get a chance? Yeah, I would definitely consider myself as a a competitor in the net who uh, who reads plays well and uh, possesses the ability to move with speed going from post to post. Yeah, but my biggest thing is just never give up on a puck and uh, give my team a chance to win every night. So I know some goalies are more adept at uh, playing the puck. You know that uh, third defenseman back there or something. Uh, are you comfortable roaming from the crease and and uh, moving the puck around, or do you just like to uh, let the defenseman worry about that? Yeah, I know for sure. I, I definitely am. I mean, uh, that's something I, uh, I like to work on a lot. Um, just like everything else when it comes to playing goal, mm-hmm. uh, there's always little things you can work on. But, uh, yeah, that's some being the third D man, you, you see the puck, you see the ice is better than anyone on ice. So, um, uh, being that third D man, that helping hand is uh, huge for sure. Now, with the draft just right around the corner, uh, like last season, were you uh, one of those players that likes to see where you're ranked and, and things like that, or are you the other end of the spectrum where you don't want to think about the draft at all? Uh, I like to think about it, but um, at the same time, come like rankings and stuff, I, I try not to look at it too much. Hmm. Um, of course, you're going to hear about it or your buddies will talk about it, but um, yeah, I just try to 
kind of ignore it, kind of that fact, and uh, just do what's best for me, right? Um, just uh, I, I don't want to depend on that too much. Uh, now, I know uh, Central Scouting has you as the fifth goalie in North America, uh, and there are some other good WHL goalies as well, but you uh, you are, according to them, the the top goalie out of the league. It's got to be flattering, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely pretty exciting that uh, um, they have me at that. So, yeah, but there's definitely there's there's tons of really good goalies in our league. So, um, to be uh, placed at on at number one, um, it's pretty special. For sure. Uh, now, what about the uh, the the next uh, step here, the the near future for for the WHL for the Tigers? Uh, what are you hearing? I know there's a lot of uncertainty. They're they're starting to play in the queue, but they don't have American teams and. The OHL just today announced that they're still gunning for December, early December. And what are you hearing about the dub? Uh, I, I mean, I think everything's still kind of up in the air. I mean, I, I definitely hope we start um, on start of December, but uh, um, we'll see. I'm definitely itching to get back to the hat and um, um, to see the guys again. Well, Garrett, listen, I really appreciate your time, uh, and I wish you the best of luck, uh, whatever happens at the draft, and uh, hopefully we get the dub back up and running and we can enjoy some junior hockey uh, in Western Canada again. Perfect. Thanks for having me on the show. Medicine Hat Tigers goaltender Garrett Bjorklund there. And, uh, and another one, I think goaltenders in general are kind of uh, draft day wild cards. I, I think uh, everyone is expecting uh, Askarov to go inside the middle, probably in the middle of the first round. Other than that, you kind of have to take a wait and see, and there might be a run on goalies. You know, one guy gets taken, and then suddenly everybody is starting to take the goaltender, the, the, the best goalie that is left, because unlike most positions or other positions, there probably are only about 15, 20 guys each year that are taken, and maybe only the you know 10 of them that are considered to be you know solid pro prospects. Others you're taking a bit of a flyer on. They might be raw and work-in-progress type guys. But Garen Bjorklund, uh, right there amongst the, that top group, uh, outside of Askarov, uh, ranked number six by NHL Central Scouting. Another guy that's uh, just outside the top ten for Central Scouting is Brian Thompson, six foot four. Another guy who played in a platoon system this past season. He's in Lethbridge with the Hurricanes. Get to know Brian Thompson next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, I'm Stuart Skinner from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Here's Skinner looking for the empty net. Rolling, rolling. He scores! Stuart Skinner! Unbelievable! Stuart Skinner has a goal! And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one, but what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Player comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk. Craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. We're back on the Pipeline Show. Final segment to go. And uh, for the third segment in a row, we're going to have a 2020 draft spotlight segment. 
chat with another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft on October 6th and 7th. And uh, for the second straight segment, it's a goaltender. Another one from the WHL as well. And uh, pleased to be joined now by Brian Thompson with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Brian, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. I'm not up for the NHL draft, though. So uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it's a, still a few weeks away, but uh, getting closer and closer, finally. Uh, this has just been dragging on forever for you. But what are you feeling right now? Nervous at all or just eager to get it over with? Uh, what's the mindset like? Yeah, no, it's obviously been a little longer than expected, but um, nerves are there a little bit, but mainly just pretty excited for the day to finally come. What's the uh, the last, I guess, six months or so been like for you in terms of, of being able to train at a normal, uh, you know, compared to a normal summer? Uh, just the timing-wise, obviously training camps would have been in starting in uh, late August and into preseason by now, but uh, that's not the case, obviously. So uh, how different has this been for you? Yeah, I know for sure. Um, I know at the start of the early summer, we were, all the gyms were closed, so we were doing some home workouts and stuff like that. But now that the gyms are finally opened up and the ranks are opened up, been able to get, uh, in the gym a lot more and on the ice a lot more, which is a lot, a lot better than what was, what was happening. In a normal year, when would you get on the ice? Um, usually, um, after the season ends, you know, just take a couple of weeks off to yeah. for yourself, relax a little bit. And then I like to usually just hop right back in it, get in the gym and get on the ice as soon as possible. So what about like July, something like that? Yeah, around there. Okay. So this summer being different, how long, uh, how much different was it in terms of finally uh, getting uh, some ice time? Um, wasn't overly different. I mm. think just a couple of weeks behind um a normal summer for me uh in terms of the uncertainty of when the league is going to start uh, i mean tentatively december 4th and that would be great i think everybody would be happy if that could happen um but so much uncertainty and seems like three months from now is so far down the road it's tough to predict uh what the situation will be like and if we can get the dub back up and running but uh having that uh and but you got the draft is still to look forward to just uh with the uncertainty of the season though how do you feel about that in terms of development you know missing all this time and stuff uh, that can't be great but at the same time everybody's on the same page so um how do you feel about it yeah for sure um i want to get back get back in the left bridge and get the season rolling as soon as possible but with this extra time we just got to take advantage of it and um get the most out of the time that we have the this extra time that's been given to us um just keep putting in the work keep doing what i've been doing and Get, um, get my game up a little bit better. All right, well, quickly, let's look back at the last season, and it was another good one for the Hurricanes, and uh, expectations were another decent playoff run and, and challenging for the division, and if not more. Uh, and then everything got uh, the, the rug was pulled out from underneath everybody. Um, what was the season like from your perspective, uh, Brian? Yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed the season a lot. Great, great group of guys in the locker room all the way from the players to the staff. Um, disappointing ending to the season, obviously. Not only us, but other teams wanted to go in the playoffs with high hopes, and we were kind of riding a little um, energy wave there, so we were excited to get playoffs going. But unfortunate that the season got cut. But no, overall, season was amazing. 
Well, and for yourself on a personal level, you got into 30 games. It was your first full season in the uh, Western Hockey League. And uh, more of a, a 1A, 1B situation for Lethbridge. Carl Tedichuk played 41, and you were in 30, so it wasn't exactly a 50-50 split, but not all that far off. What's that relationship between uh, you and Carl like when you're both trying to be the uh, the starter every night, but obviously you got to put team first? Yeah, obviously we're both we both want that starter spot, but no matter who's in the net, we support each other through everything. In practice, we're always pushing each other. Um, Teddy's a great guy off the ice and on the ice. We're, we have a close relationship. So um, just pushing each other is the main thing. Um, always wanting to be that guy, but having that friendly competition is important. Yeah. Brian Thompson is my guest, the goaltender with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Brian, what we'll do with this part of the show is uh, introduce my audience to uh, a player in your shoes, being a draft-eligible guy. Uh, but not everybody that's hearing this across North America will be WHL fans, let alone Hurricanes fans. So for the benefit of those people who might just be uh, NHL people, uh, let's get to know a, a bit of your background. Uh, you play in Lethbridge, but where are you actually from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Mooshaw, Saskatchewan. Okay, yeah, and are you back there right now? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, tell me how old you were when you first started playing in net. Do you remember? Um, when I first, my first full season playing in net, I believe, was my first year Adam. Okay, so uh, I'm guessing that's what, about six, seven years old? Yeah, I think, I think six. What attracted you to the position in, in the first place? Just watching, uh, Mika Kippersoff off the Flames. Oh. He was kind of my, he was my idol growing up. And I liked, I mainly fell in love with the gear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought being able to design your own gear and your own mask is the coolest thing ever. But, um, yeah, no, just watching Kippersoff fly around the net, making huge saves, that's kind of what um, made me want to become a goalie. I know the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast always, uh, they showed clips of this kid in the stands behind Kippersoff imitating every move that he makes. That wasn't you, was it? No, that wasn't me. But <laughs> have you seen that I clip, though? Same page, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Have you ever seen that clip? I mean, he's dressed up in full yeah, goalie yeah, gear I in the stands. What I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Um, anyway, okay, Brian, uh, you're a, a second round pick by the Hurricanes. Uh, I, there's got to be some pressure that goes along with being taken that high at, you know, pressure, expectations from the fan base uh, to be an impact player and, and probably from the organization. But safe to say nobody puts more pressure on you than perhaps yourself? Yeah, no, that's that's true. It's all it's all mental pretty much. But um, there is those expectations, and um, you try to live up to those as much as possible. But at the end of the day, you just got to go out there and play your own game mm-hmm. and show why. Um, why you deserve to be drafted in that position that I was. Well, you get into uh, Lethbridge this year and, and uh, make the team out of camp, and I think that was the, the expectation after you finished the year uh, with the Hurricanes uh, last season and got that one game in the playoffs. Uh, what was your expectations uh, for this year? Did you, did you kind of know going in that it would be a, a tandem system, or did you know or did you feel like uh, uh, that the – a bonafide number one spot was open and, and up for battle, or what was uh, how was it kind of outlined to you guys? Yeah, no. Um, as soon as we walked into camp, me and uh, Tyler Chuck we got pulled into the same room with uh, head coach Kissio there, and he straight up told us that um, there's no guaranteed number one start. Um, 
whoever's playing better will get that start in the big games. And once we feel like we have a guy, we'll keep uh, going with him. Hmm. But it's number one spots up for grabs, and that's why me and Tadachek always kept pushing each other and had that friendly competition in practice. Well, it seems to work. Uh, now, Sheet, I'm looking at says six foot four and about 180 pounds. Uh, how uh, up to date is that, or has uh, has that changed over here the, the last few months? Um, height hasn't changed, but uh, put on a few extra pounds of muscle during this off season, so that's always good. Okay, six foot four, a classic goaltender size these days, at least for the NHL and and for the draft. Um, have you always been like one of the bigger kids in your class growing up, or did you have a a late sudden growth spurt or something? No, I I've always been the. I don't think I've ever had someone in my class taller than me, but hmm. um, I've always been that kid I, that towers over everyone. I got that height from my dad's side, which is pretty lucky. Yeah, especially as a goaltender. Now, sometimes the trade-off for a goaltender is uh, might not be as quick on your feet or or things like that. I'm not saying you specifically, but you know, a small goaltender might be a little bit more agile, just uh, uh, stereotypically, uh, whereas a bigger goaltender might have some uh, some issues in with the the fast feet. How do you avoid that? Like, uh, is there training things that you can do to make sure that uh, you're as agile as a five eleven or a six foot goalie? Yeah, there's definitely ways you can work on that. Just getting faster feet uh, off the ice and working that um, that speed back into your game, which is something I like to incorporate into my game as much as possible is my speed for my height. And it's something that I do pretty well for my my height. I think every goaltender these days is a, a butterfly-style goaltender to, to uh, more or less to some degree, but... Um, if I was to look at you or somebody who's never seen the Hurricanes play and they watch you for the first time, is there anything about your game that might be slightly different or you think stands out when you compare to other goaltenders? Um, I'd say my calm demeanor in the net. Um, just being a big presence in the net, um, taking up as much uh, space as I can, but then when time calls, I can still be that fast, agile goaltender that I need to be. Are you a puck handler, or do you like to stay in the net and let the defenseman clear the puck? I'll get out and stop the puck for the defenseman, but I'm not, I don't overly make the plays myself, but that's something that we focused on last year, being my first full season into the league, and how important puck playing in the league is um, for transitions, but something that I can always get better on. Okay, so it's something to practice. It might not just be a, a yeah, natural exactly. thing for you to make those long bomb passes to the far blue line or something. No. Uh, what surprised you about the league last year? Getting, I know you had a five-game uh, taste regular season-wise uh, the, the season before, but getting to play in the league full-time last year, anything that kind of caught you off guard or that you weren't expecting? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything I wasn't expecting, just um... – the travel, I'd say, was the biggest thing. Having those long overnighters, playing in playing an away game in Brandon, and then traveling back to Lethbridge and getting home at seven in the morning hmm. was probably the um, strangest thing that happened this year. The most surprising, but nothing, nothing that I didn't expect. How do you balance the hockey with the academics? Like you're, I mean, you're still in high school, aren't you? Or, or did you finish up already? Yeah, just graduated. You just, just graduated. graduated this year. All right. Yeah. How'd, how'd you do in school? Um, 
I was an average student, I'd say. I wasn't a standout student, but I wasn't a failing student. I was just amongst the classroom. But um, balancing school and um, hockey, you go to school every morning and then go to the rink. But on the road, the bus has Wi-Fi, so there's really no excuse for you not to get your homework done on the road. And you're always in a hotel with Wi-Fi. So you're always in a uh, a place where schoolwork can get done. I know there's some some people would uh, criticize uh, the CHL and not concentrating enough on education. But from your perspective, having done it now, uh, would you disagree with that? Do you think there is support and, and, and things like that for the student-athlete? Yeah, for from my experience, I 100% support it. We had a great educational advisor in Lethbridge that was on top of everything and hmm. took care of all our schooling. So um, I 100% agree that um, we're taken care of. Brian, you're uh, ranked, what, 11, I think, in North America by Central Scouting. Are you a guy who stays away from looking at the rankings because it might be a distraction or are you a guy who sort of embraces all of that and wants to know and and kind of use that as a motivator to some degree to see where you're ranked and things like that how do you look at it yeah um for the most part i don't uh pay too much attention to it like i've obviously seen that we're i ranked but um yeah it's definitely motivation it can be used as motivation to um try to bump up your rank- rankings a little bit, show that you're worth more than what um, the press might say you are. But for the most part, I try and stay away from that. Have you had a chance to speak with uh, a number of teams? I know no NHL Combine this year, but teams have been doing a lot of interviews with uh, with players um, online and stuff. So have you had a chance to speak with a number of teams? Yes, I have. Any idea how many teams have uh, you've chatted with? Um... Maybe maybe the easier answer is how many haven't you chatted with? <laughs> I'd say maybe high high teens. Okay, 18, 19. All right, well that's a yeah. lot of conversations. What's that like when you're kind of sitting? Uh, if, if it was at the combine, you'd walk into a hotel room and there'd be fifteen twenty guys staring at you and asking you questions. I don't imagine they're all huddled yeah. around the uh, the webcam. Um, so uh, how is it different when you're doing it online? Yeah, I obviously haven't experienced the combine, but. Um, I know that we, we do Zoom calls, and it's kind of, it's pretty intimidating just having all those guys on your computer screen <laughs> just staring at you and not talking. But um, for the most part, um, it, it's been working well. I think the teams are getting a lot of information out of the players, and the players are able to pass their message along pretty well. Well, Brian, listen, I appreciate you making the time on a Friday evening like this, and uh, I wish you the best of luck at the draft, and let's hope we uh, get the WHL back up and running here sooner as opposed to later. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brian Thompson from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. I'll be honest, uh, when the Hurricanes, when I saw the Hurricanes play, I liked Brian Thompson a lot. Stats weren't tremendous this year. Uh, Save percentage just under 900, as it was with uh, Garam Gerklin as well, but I like Brian Thompson. I think uh, he's got that size, and uh, to me, he's uh, he's going to be one to watch uh, as his WHL career uh, continues forward. Fingers crossed we uh, get that December 4th uh, start and everything is uh, safe and, and we're able to proceed and get a little bit closer back to normal. Uh, but Brian Thompson, he's uh, he's an interesting one for me. I like Garen Bjorklund as well. 
who you heard in the uh, previous segment. Uh, and I should thank my other, my previous two guests. Mark Edwards led the show off today, and Wyatt Kaiser, freshman with uh, the UMD Bulldogs. That was my guest list, and that does kind of end this week's episode. So thanks to all four of those uh, for joining me on the Troubled Monk Hotline. Don't forget, when you order a Troubled Monk uh, for that home delivery right to your door, go to troubledmonk.com, uh, get your order in by 1 o'clock, include the promo code PIPELINE, and that delivery, no charge. That's on the house. Doesn't matter how much your total bill is, the delivery will be free if you mention PIPELINE. There are about a dozen players still on my uh, personal I'd like to have on the show list before uh, the NHL draft. So hopefully next week on the show, I'll be able to check off a couple more of those boxes. I do have one guy lined up uh, for a Monday interview, which if you're a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show, knock on wood, that interview goes off without a hitch. It'll be available Monday afternoon. And then you, by the time the weekend comes, when the full episode is released, you'll have had five days access to that uh, that interview because you're a $2 a month uh, subscriber on patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Just one of the ways that early access uh, is a nice advantage for especially you draft junkies. Other than that, uh, I, I am considering uh, tracking down somebody uh, from overseas to give us a rundown on how the uh, development system works in a country like Sweden. See if that's something that would work in North America or not in response to this uh, new CHL lawsuit. Uh, and I did say last week I wanted to check in with a league like the AJHL or the BCHL and just get a, a sense for what Junior A hockey is looking at this year amidst uh, all the COVID-19 uh, restrictions. So uh, potentially we'll do that coming up this uh, next week as well. But until then, my name is Guy Flaming. Thanks for checking out the Pipeline Show, everybody. Take care of each other. See ya. See ya.